a product of the Whisper Forge. Sound and story brought to life. You're listening to a parody that is not affiliated with or endorsed by Supergiant Games in any way. We're just big old nerds making improv fanfiction. Rogue Runners is rated R for pretty much everything you can find in Greek mythology. Violence, assault, self-harm, offensive language, insensitive humor, and intense themes. We encourage everyone to check out our show notes and transcripts on our website at whisperforge.org. Are you ready to run? Then welcome to Volume 1 in the Blood. arrive in a large, square-shaped room filled with three concentric squares. The center square houses a sundial flecked with green flame on each of its intervals, which counts down from the five-minute position. The second square, a border of the middle square, is a series of grates with holes in them. You are standing on the third outer square, which borders the two inner squares. The room suddenly feels very hot, as if a flame were very close to your face. Somewhere, you see the profile of the Lord of the House of Hades, or at least the Prince of the House of Hades now. They're not doing badly at all, but we couldn't be making this too easy for them now, could we? At that moment, two large shades spawn from the ground in the outer square on the opposite side. So these are these large, orange, round-bodied shades that hold these massive goblets in their hands and, like, wear these large chains around their necks. And we call these wretched gentry. And what the wretched gentry shades are, are they're the souls of aristocrats and very exploitative, rich, wealthy figures in life who now like to throw around their weight in the afterworld or afterlife. What you know about them is that they like to catch you by surprise and charge at you out of nowhere and smack you with their uh, fine plates and goblets that they're carrying. Also, as this happens, you notice that the sundial, which started at the five-minute position, starts counting down towards the midnight position, essentially. And roll initiative. Nice. Arete rolls an 18. Annie rolled an 11. Rolf got a 6. I have a 4. These two wretched gentry are about 50 feet on the opposite side of the room and are moving towards you. Arate, it is your turn. I lick my fingers and I press them down onto my feet as if Usain Bolt, I just bolt forward at my top speed to close the distance between us. So as you cross the 20 foot and the 40 foot threshold, you are crossing a series of grates on that second square essentially that borders the center square. Oh God. Massive spikes come up from the grates (laughs) and try to impale you. What we'll say is you can cross over the first time and if you are still alive, you can choose to continue crossing over the second time if you want. So go ahead and make a dexterity save throw for me. Okay. 16. So you only end up taking three piercing damage when you cross the grates the first time. Is The grates just jab up under your feet. <laughs> You're in the center square now. I think I'll be staying put rather than taking any more risks like that. I'm gonna prepare to dodge. So Annie wants to use Bardic Inspiration on Arete. She is going to pull out her veal and she is going to play 
Just a quick little ditty, light timber, to try and empower Arete. Sure. I would also like to move 15 feet. Make a dexterity saving throw as you cross over the grate. Oh, no. All right, that's a nine. You end up taking only four piercing damage, but you are standing on the grate. So all these spikes pop up around you and they're kind of <gasps> just there. Okay. Like one of them nearly stabs your veal and you yank it out of the way at the last second. Can I move off the grate? Yeah, you can. <laughs> I would love to move off of the grate. Yeah, you can move the rest of the 15 feet and you can move to where Arete is, which is just the center square. Okay, yeah, let's move to the center square. The two wretched gentry are up, so they actually need to take the dash action to both meet you, Annie and Arete, at the center square. Also, you notice that the grates do not come up when they pass over them. Those sons of bitches. (laughs) Well, that put a real stinker in my plans. Um, okay. You asked for it. And Rolf is gonna, like, raise both his hands up, twiddle his fingers, and focus on one of the wretched gentry as he's going to attempt to cast Crown of Madness. For Crown of Madness, one humanoid of my choice that I can see must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or become charmed by me for the duration. While it is charmed, it must use its action before moving on each of its turns to make a melee attack against a creature other than itself that I mentally choose. It gets a three. That does not beat the 13. So out of almost thin air, these thorns grow around the dentry's head and dig into it as Rolf jacks into, I guess, its mind and is going to attempt to hold it there and deal damage to its companion on the next turn. The wretched gentry is thrilled to have a crown on. So it goes, (laughs) and starts like patting its crown and then it's like dancing and swinging its massive goblet around. I'm going to have to cross those grates, but I'd like to run over to Arate and and use heroism spell, which requires me to touch him. Make a dexterity saving throw as you cross the grates. 17. So you also only take three piercing damage as more spikes shoot up underneath. And now I touch Erite. This is for heroism. A willing creature you touch is imbued with bravery. Until the spell ends, the creature is immune to being frightened and gains temporary hit points equal to your spellcasting ability modifier at the start of each of its turns. So that will be for 10 turns because it's for one minute and you would get three temporary hit points per turn. That's it. Thanks for the for the extra temp there. Alexander nods. Now, as soon as Alexander does this, the flame marker on the five minute mark ticks down to the four minute mark. Also, at this moment, two more wretched gentry appear on the opposite side of the room. Oh God, we need to run, we need to survive. I have a feeling if we reach the zero minute marker, perhaps, uh, you know, things might cease to be. I don't Mm. know. Stay alive, friends. <laughs> Don't die. Something you've all been very successful at. I am going to go ahead and strike the nearest shade with my blade at 15. And are you doing this on the one that has the crown on it or a different one? I'll do it with the one with the crown on it. It is five piercing damage. Taste my blade, you son of a bitch. Annie would like to join Arate in fighting that wretched shade by pulling out her rapier and slashing away on it. That's a 13. That still hits. These are pretty easy to hit. Five piercing damage. That one looks like it's in pretty bad shape. It is also its turn. It has the crown of madness on it. So it's going, oh, and it's whirling around and it's going to smack its goblet into its adjacent wretched gentry. 
and it deals five bludgeoning damage to it. And here's a thing that you notice, when it deals bludgeoning damage, that seems to not be as effective as it seems to bounce right off. Mm. So it only does two bludgeoning damage to its partner. It is at the partner's turn. The partner is not thrilled and is going to try to do a dinnerware smash on Annie. It is gonna get a uh, 16. Mm. Boon it up, baby, boon it up. Boon it up! (laughs) I don't know, what do I say? What should I say? Just call yeah. to Iris. Hey, Iris. Yo, Iris. Hey, baby. Eh. Get no, over here. Gonna... I hate it. I hate. I hate that so much. Wow. Thanks, guys. Iris, I summon thee. <laughs> Persona. Persona. <laughs> Iris, grant me your protection. As you do this, one of the strings of your veil glints with a rainbow light, and the wretched gentry goes, and it still tries to make its attack. It only gets a fourteen with the disadvantage. <laughs> It's still. You get plus one AC. I know. It's still. Man, you suck. I hate you. (laughs) So it does smash you with the plate. You take five bludgeoning damage. The two wretched gentry that it spawned on the opposite end of the room are going to dash, crossing over the grate with no repercussions. And they are going to meet you in the middle and surround you, one on each side, Arete and Annie. My dear friends, I think it might be in your interest to leave the immediate area of attack of the many, many large uh, people around you right now. Ah! And he's going to maintain control over the one that has the crown of madness. So that's my action for the turn. I would like to use my Holy Bulwark. As an action, I get a bonus AC of plus two to distribute between myself and up to four other creatures within 30 feet of you. So I'm going to use one of those AC for me and one for Anastasia. And then I would like to boot Scoot and Boogie the heck out of there away. I don't want to cross the gates, but I want to get further away from the fatties. Okay. I mean, they're big boned, you know, they're fat cats because of their wealth, not their bodies. Uh, so so when you use the Holy Bulwark, that's a feature that we created specifically for the Order of Divine Paladin that's unique to this game. So why don't you describe what it's like when you invoke the gods for this ability? I throw my shield in front of me and aim it at Anastasia. And I call out, Athena, aid me and my ally. And A beam of light shoots from my shield. It glows white, and the beam of light shoots from my shield to Anastasia. And then I quickly glow white as well for a little bit, and our AC goes up by one. As this beam of light shoots out, you hear like a little owl hoot. It goes hoot hoot. And you both get your AC bonus. Excellent. As you do that, your turn finishes, and you notice that the green flame marker on the four-minute mark moves to the three-minute mark. And two more wretched gentry appear on the opposite end of the room. Do I know more about this sundial style thing? Like, what are you looking at? Like, what are you investigating about it? How to stop it? Because <laughs> um, there's obviously a connection between the uh, countdown and the shades coming in. So for this, I'll say you make an intelligence check, flat intelligence. However, if you are proficient in either arcana or investigation, you may use those instead. Okay, it will be a flat investigation. And it is a 15. So here... The wretched shades are being summoned, obviously, every time it ticks down. And your understanding is that the gate across from you will unlock the moment it reaches the zero marker. And the wretched gentry at that stage will not be a threat once they reach the zero marker. Okay, so just survive. (laughs) Good to know. Annie would very much like 
to do a slash and dash. She would like to. <laughs> she would really like to stab uh, the the wretched Gentry that's right next to her, and then run as far as she possibly can away from it. Sure, you have a bunch of wretched Gentry next to you. However, <laughs> so you have two that are full health around you. You have mm-hmm. one that is slightly damaged by its partner. And the partner that was doing the damaging has a crown of madness on it. It is swinging around wildly. Uh, it is also very low health. I would like to attack that one. Annie takes out her rapier once again, and she stabs the heck out of that wretched Gentry. That roll looks like a seven, though. So I don't know how effective it is. Uh, these things are very easy to hit. However, not that easy to hit. You're about to stab at this thing, but this thing is just whirling around so wildly because of this crown of madness. It's not even trying to evade necessarily. It just kind of swings itself out of the way in its madness. Annie's going to run away towards where we came in from. As you do this, one of the wretched gentry is going to try to make an opportunity attack at you. It gets an eight. No, get out of here, you Okay, well, I had to at least ask, okay? I mean... No, I know. I'm talking to the gentry, not you, I promise. (laughs) The second wretched gentry is going to... It gets a five. No! The third wretched gentry is going to swing at you. He gets also a five. No! Make a dexterity saving throw. What? Come on. Are you kidding, Dice? It's a nine. You only take two piercing damage as the spikes shoot up once again. But you do safely cross over to Rolf. Slap me five, Annie. I hate it here. I hate it here. Well, we're trying to leave. (laughs) (laughs) The wretched gentry are up. There are four wretched gentry here. and So one of them has a crown of madness on him. He only gets a four, so he does not save that time. He is going to continue wailing on the same one he already smacked with the goblet. Okay, he's going to, oh, ho, ho, ho. He only gets a four on the attack roll, so he does not hit his friend. Now he makes a wisdom saving throw at the end of his turn, right? Correct. Okay. 16, does that pass? That does. The crown of madness dribbles down the side of him. And he goes, oh. He's very displeased that he doesn't have a crown anymore. Three wretched Gentry are going to move to attack Arate. Uh, One crits. Oh. It deals 10 bludgeoning damage. Boon, 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 boon. Oh, oh yes, 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 yes. Uh. <laughs> I always thank you for saying that. Can... Iris, I implore thee. The steel of your blade glints with this rainbow light and it imposes disadvantage on the attack. And he gets a not a natural 20. He deals only five bludgeoning damage instead of 10. Now the next is going to attack. It gets a 16. And hits. So that one deals five bludgeoning damage as well. Oof. How are you looking? I've got three temp left and two regular left. The third one gets a 10, so it does not hit. Meanwhile, the two wretched gentry on the opposite side of the room that spawned are going to use their dash actions to meet you in the middle. <laughs> uh, you now have six wretched gentry surrounding you in the middle of the room, Arate. Wretched, my friend, hold out. We are nearly done. You know what? In fact, I think it'd be wise for you to leave the center of that square. However, I'm going to uh, send a little help your way. Yeah! <laughs> and and Rolf casts Acid Splash out towards the middle of the room to try and deal some damage to the wretched gentry around Arete. Two of the wretched gentry need to roll a dexterity saving throw. 
So one gets a six. Okay, that fails. And the other also gets a six. So both of them will take 1d6 acid damage, and I rolled a six. One of the ones you targeted was the one with the crown on it originally. So you splash some acid at it. It corrodes like its goblet and its chains and its already melted crown. It just dissipates into the ground in this like gross orange puddle. So that one is a goner. And then the one that it was hitting takes six acid damage, which it is not a fan of. And it looks like it's in pretty bad shape. Erte, your health right now, what was it again? The temporary and regular? Temporary was three, regular two. Also, you know that these things very consistently hit for five. Alexander is going to put his shield on his back, run towards Erite and tackle Erite, shielding him like a turtle and use the remaining health pool from Lay on Hands to heal him with 10 points of health. Alexander, you charge at Arate. Arate is standing by the sundial. You push him onto the sundial. He lands directly on it. You throw your body over his. You are laying your hands over his body and you feel those like spectral snakes entwine around your hands and go into Arate's body and heal him for 10 hit points. You are both, I'm going to say, prone on the sundial, essentially. Okay. However, Alexander, you you're providing, we're going to say, three-fourths cover to Arate. Okay. So the way prone works is anybody who is in melee range of you gets advantage on their attacks. However, with three-fourths cover, we're going to say you have plus five AC. Okay. That only applies to Arate, I want to be clear. That's good. That's good. So that happens. As you land on the sundial, Arate, you feel like the green flame in your back tick down towards the two position. (laughs) And two more wretched gentry appear at the opposite end of the room. So now there are eight total in the room, six at your position. Not since my early army days have I had a man on top of me like this. (laughs) You know, from basic training. (laughs) So I guess if he wanted to attack, could I be his turtle shell and he's just prone army crawling around? If you two consent to doing that, I fully empower it. Because I want to continue to shield him as much as I can. Arate, trust me. I trust you, bud. I've got an idea. Are you ready for a little uh, little action? Go for it. Oh my, Annie, cover your eyes. Here's the plan. I will unsheath my sword while still lying prone, <laughs> and I will swipe at the ankles of the wretched shade. 17. So you're trying to find the ankles of this thing, and then it becomes very clear to you that these wretched gentry don't have ankles. They just have these large, wide bases that they move on and kind of like wade around on. So you find that very quickly. Even Achilles had a weak point at his ankles. Looks like yours is nice and wide for me. And he just stabs. It's going to be eight piercing damage. (laughs) And uh, as you slash it, it dies. Wow. That really was his Achilles heel. So well done. And also I'm going to word inspiration for the Achilles reference. Rolf, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling, I feel a little helpless right now. I'm really not sure what we're supposed to do. I, I guess, any ideas? Uh, any? Well, Anastasia, you see, I, I believe that clock over there is counting down. So really, just by talking to me in this moment, you're doing quite well. We're just waiting for it to run itself out. Now, I could give you more vapors to breathe off if you if you think that would be uh, I, beneficial. I, to be perfectly honest, Rolf, those vapors, those, those, that. That freaks me out. That was really weird. Well, I'm sorry, Annie. I I certainly hope I didn't make you uncomfortable. Yeah, an explanation would have been really nice. 
I, you're cool, but that was just really weird. I now see the error of uh, my assumption in that you understood what the vapors were. Perhaps a bit creepy coming from uh, a man yeah. of my age. And uh, I, I, I apologize. How I, is I all of I this can... happening? <laughs> There's some time dilation happening here. So you're all speaking at like the speed of chipmunks, uh, and this all happens in six seconds. Get behind me! I can shield you. I'll I'll do a little Alexander action over here. And he's gonna, I guess, get behind Rolf, but like very cautiously and hesitantly because it, okay. It's so you're still... like, don't try anything funny, and you kind of like you're still you're behind it, but you're like dodging. Yeah, we'll do that. All right, the wretched gentry are up. Four of them are going to attempt to attack you, Alexander. They make these attacks with advantage. 21. What's that? 21. 21? Yes. Iris! (laughs) I I call to her and the shield glows again on my back and the rainbow comes and smacks the face of whoever. Excellent. It goes, uh, and it only gets a 16. Okay, we're good. One wretched gentry misses. The next gets a 17. Doesn't hit. So now we're on to the third one, rolling with advantage. 11 is its best. Doesn't hit. Okay, fourth one. 13 is its best. So these four are like wailing on you, cannot get any traction. The two wretched gentry on the opposite side of the room are going to join them. So now there's six in the middle. Friends, I really do think you should get out of there. If you look at statistics and the law of probability, maybe not a great idea to continue to be there, but all right, here's a little gift. Yeah! And again, hurls more acid (laughs) at two of the gentries that are attacking my friends. One of them gets a 19 on its deck save. The other gets a six. So the one that failed takes five points of acid damage. Can I spin my sword like in a 360 and and get them all? Yeah, but you have to do it like anime style. Like you have to grunt with each swing and it feels like six times heavier with each turn. (laughs) And we're going to need to hear it. Sure. Do a little helicopter blade action? Or are you joking? No, I'm serious. Yeah? Okay, so... <laughs> so Alexander unsheaths his sword and starts spinning it above him like a helicopter. Beautiful. Jeez Louise, man. At least buy me dinner first. Is there a worm in here? Um, all right, let's roll up that attack with disadvantage. Yes, yeah, seven. All right, so y- you do this, and the the wretched gentry are cheering you on. And they're like, oh, 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 oh. Uh, and their their goblets are sloshing with blood. They are thrilled. They love that you're doing this. It's a great show. As you do that, Alexander Arate, underneath you, you feel the infernal clock tick down to the one minute position, and two wretched gentry appear on the opposite end of the room. Arate, if you need to disappear. Uh- I will leave you. Because I am already underneath him, I am going to attempt to use a bonus action, using cunning action, to hide underneath him. So I'm going to roll that stealth check. And it was a 10. You attempt to hide under him. You feel like you did a 10 out of 20 job. (laughs) And who knows whether they will take notice of you or not. Great. With that, I am going to try to attempt a sneak attack on the one that had the acid splashed onto him. 14. Oh, that definitely hits. Yeah. I do 11 damage. Hidden underneath Alexander. I kind of just squirm around underneath him, wiggling a little bit. I see the acid just kind of dripping off the one guy. And I just lunge forward. 
forward with both of my arms with the sword in my hands, and I just go, All right, you obliterate it. It goes, and it, it also melts. So where there were six, there are now only five. Annie would like to cast Mage Hand. Now, Mage Hand really can't do much, but she would like to use it more so as a distraction. So she would like to pull out her viol, play a little like sound effect, essentially, for a floating hand to appear, and she would like to move that towards the closest wretched gentry near Arete and Alex and hopefully distract it away from them. Make a performance check. That's a 27. First, I want to award inspiration because I think it's a very clever use of a spell. So I like that. Uh, and what this will do is one of the wretched gentry will waste their turns trying to chase after the hand. Sweet. All right, cool. It is the wretched gentry's turn. So one of them chases after the hand. Goes, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> if you would like, you can use your reaction, both Alexander and Arate, to make opportunity attacks against this. Oh, it'll be using my reaction? It will use your reaction. Then no. I will. I'm going to go ahead and do that. That's a nine. That seems to be exactly what you need to hit it. So roll up the damage for me. Six. So that looks about half dead. And it's still chasing the hand. That cancels out one of the attacks. So four that are remaining there are going to try to make attacks with advantage against you, Alexander. Eight is the first one. 14 is the second. 19 is the third. Does not hit. What? Okay, wow. Because of holy bulwark. And this is the fourth. 21. Iris! <laughs> As it hits, you hear the sound of a distant waterfall, and it seems to bounce right off and not deal any damage to you. The two on the opposite end of the room are going to run over to you. So they're meeting you in the middle now. That is about all they can do. Well. Time to feel like a badass motherfucker. And I'm going to pull out my little crossbow (laughs) and try and shoot at the one that is chasing Annie's spectral hand. 15 to hit. That definitely hits. Rolf takes the little crossbow off his back, shooting it for like probably one of the first times and figures, hey, I don't think there's much time left. Let's loose an arrow and flies. So it meets him just as he's chasing that hand. And he takes... Nine points of damage. Okay, describe how you kill this thing. It's gonna tear through the side of its like jelly head and enter through one ear, go out the other as it kind of disperses into a blob of orange goo that is ripped apart. Alexander, it is your turn. Arate, you're on deck. Ooh. Oh, I hope this is the end, though. No, it's not the end. It gets better. I promise, Alexander. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, I hope that the thing ticks down to zero. And because I'm paranoid, I'm just going to stay on his back. Can I do another anime helicopter? Yeah. (laughs) All right, you just barely (laughs) miss it. The retro gentry are doing little golf claps. They're thrilled. They love this show that you're putting on for them. As you do this, underneath you, Arate, you feel the infernal sundial tick down to zero. And at that stage, two wretched gentry appear on the opposite end of the room. Oh, no. What? My friends, I seem to have made a grave miscalculation. I hope. Well, make a flat intelligence check, Rolf. 16. So you piece together that what the timer is telling you is how many rounds are left. I see. So because it ticked down to zero, it means there are zero rounds left left so this is the last round we're here friends let's not fall down and die at the finish line good because i almost jumped off of eric <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and do the same thing that i did previously and i am going to use alexander to hide underneath and i rolled a nat 20 
And now I'm going to go and roll for the sneak attack. And it is a 14. Now tell me what damage you do. I do nine damage and I'm going to go ahead and aim for whichever is the weakest one. The remaining are full health, but you do so much damage to this one. You seem to have taken it down like by three fourths. It seems to be in very bad shape. I'm just gonna whisper to Alexander. Thanks for the cover, bud. This has been a, a real bonding experience. Does Alexander say anything? <laughs> no response. I don't think so. He's focused. <laughs> He's too busy helicopter blading. Yeah. And Annie just kind of wants to hang out right here with her buddy Rolf. She's feeling okay. She's a. Uh, she just look at Rolf like Rolf. Is it almost over? Yes, I think so. I, I, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Why do you sound like a child bored at recess? I'm dying. <laughs> well, well, you. No one told you to stay in the center, Alex. You could have come right. over here and let Erite die. You could have brought Erite. I don't. Why are you be? Is this because of what I said before we entered the room? Is Take that an action what? already. <laughs> this is my action. <laughs> Annie, I, I do, I do want to do stuff, but I don't, I don't want to make Arate or Alex have to roll like a, a saving throw or something like that because I don't want to hurt them. You know what I mean? Save your resources. What do you want from me? You're telling me one thing and then you're telling me another. I don't, I, I. This is what people are like, Anastasia. She's gonna run forward at least 15 feet past the grate, so maybe 20 feet. Pull out the viol, play a very uh, uh, thunderous tune, really brassy, and use thunder wave. Well, first you have to make a dexterity saving throw, because some grates shoot up directly underneath where you're standing. Oh yeah, baby, that's a 23. Nice job. Okay, so you only take one piercing damage. So you're fine just standing there. You're furiously thundering on this veal. A thunder wave unleashes from the strings of it. So four of them have to make constitution saves. Seven, 17, two, five. So three of them get hit for 2d8. Okay. And are pushed 10 feet away. The one that rolled a 17 takes half as much damage and is not pushed away. How much is the damage? That is 12. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you run up there, and the one who was hit really hard by Arate is the one who saves. So he takes the half damage. The rest take full damage, and all four of them explode immediately. <laughs> so really nicely done. There's only two left on that platform, and they are very startled. They kind of blink a little bit at their exploded friends, and then they also just clap for you. Look, like, oh, very well done. Alex, next time, just communicate your feelings like a normal person, like everyone else. Okay. Most impressive. Could have used that two rounds ago. She's gonna, she's gonna just... She's going to turn around. She's going to be counting to 10, but she's going to be walking back to Rolf because if, if she's 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 moving. She's leaving. Be careful with the great Anastasia. Excellent. Okay, so there are two wretched gentry who are going to try to make attacks with advantage on you, Alexander. 11, 20. Iris. I'm going to need different things each time. Iris. Iris. <laughs> Siri. Iris, I beg you one last time for this room. <laughs> All right. You say that and your helicopter blading makes this like swirly rainbow effect. And so it only gets a 12. 
so I imagine both of them miss. The remaining two run up to you from the end of the room. So Rolf is gonna kind of bumble his way closer towards the grate, like wandering around. Does anyone have? Uh, uh, does anyone have a tissue? Uh, and out of the nose is gonna fly the acid splash onto two of the gentry in the center. Eighteen and seventeen. God damn it! Those both succeed. Ooh. All right, do you do anything else on your turn? He looks up and goes, ah, let's see what happens in a few seconds. And is going to sit down and cross his legs. <laughs> Alexander's going to kick off of Arate and basically do a Ike Smash Brothers up B, throw the sword up in the air, going to catch it and come down on the nearest one for 21 to hit. Okay, that hits. And then that would be an eight for... Ah! As you do that, Arate, underneath you, you feel the flame of the sundial recede into the dial, and you see the poor wretched gentry around you all melt into the ground. Also, 150 darkness crystals appear in front of you. Additionally, based on the number that you killed, you get an additional 140 darkness. Additionally, two gates appear on the left and right sides of the room. One gate displays a beautiful giant hammer, and the opposite side gate displays a blue trident. Ooh, I would like to see if I know more about these. That's a 12. You recognize the blue trident to be the sign of Poseidon. Oh, look, it's, uh, it's the water guy. Poseidon. <laughs> I want to see what the hammer is. 20, not natural. You have heard myths about somebody that you had to answer a question about in the previous trivia. So you learned that Daedalus had to create a labyrinth for the king of Minos, and he was basically a master legendary craftsman. In addition to creating the labyrinth, he also created many powerful weapons and tools here for the underworld. And you recognize that hammer to be something of his design. That hammer, Alexander points, that's the symbol of Daedalus. Oh, a daddy hammer. Yes, he crafted the labyrinth that you were so unsure of. Um, <laughs> yes, well, so on one hand, we have, um, water god. On the other hand, we have a hammer boy. What shall serve us best? I believe the master craftsman would be far more advantageous than Poseidon. Yes, but Poseidon is a god, and Daedalus is but a man. Well, do we have anything worth having deadless work on i mean i have if he can upgrade my fingers for my casting ability that would be excellent but perhaps not you old man but the rest of us have weapons well i would take offense to that but that's an accurate assessment why would a god be worried about our problems i mean iris was pretty keen on giving us a nice boon so i'm thinking maybe poseidon might have something in there for us you following my logic stud Oh my. I definitely learned this time around what the Macedons wear underneath their skirts. <laughs> and that would be? That's for me to know and you to find out, Rolf. <laughs> I think you think too kindly of Poseidon and the gods. The gods are giving us this opportunity to get to Olympus and live another life. Was it so the I'm gods or was it Zagreus? I mean, I, I can't speak to your gods too much, but you know, Thor did kill one of my pets once. And the gods did bring me here among you. Uh, ouch. <laughs> Somebody make a decision. I'm happy with either. Hey there, Annie. What's going on? You're awfully quiet. Annie's just gonna, The old like... man has chosen one. Arate, you've chosen another. Hey man, would you stop 
This poor thing. She's only 17, dude. I did not call Anastasia an old man. I was referring to the Outlander. Yeah, but you interrupted that poor girl. All she is trying to do is express her emotions. Leave it to a... to a... cishet man to really just trample all over a woman. Alexander rolls his eyes. He walks with Arite and he says, Close your heart to your enemy's pain. They feel no sympathy for you. Don't feel any for them. And he's going to walk over to the hammer bubble and put his hand on it. Daddy hammer it is. Let's go. (laughs) All right. The bubble pops. The gate slides upward to reveal a black smoky portal. Meanwhile, the blue trident bubble also pops. The gate slides down to reveal an impassable barrier. Now there's just that swirling portal of darkness in front of you. Alexander motions his shield hand. Arete walks over to Annie, puts his arm around her. And starts walking towards the portal with her. And he walks through. Well, here we go. And roll follows. Alexander will go in last. You find yourself in a room where somehow the dread feels just a little less burdensome. Two fountains on opposite ends of the room gush sparkling streams of healing water. So when you drink from them, you may take a short rest to recover up to your full hit dice amount on each roll plus your constitution modifier. That's what that means mechanically. Somewhere, soft, pensive music plays. The gate on the other end of the room shows a bottle of nectar. Roll intelligence or no, religion, I guess. Can I to see what that would do? Sure. 22. So, Nectar, you understand this to be a very, very sweet, almost inhumanly sweet and possibly like beyond nature's abilities, sweet beverage that is extremely favored by gods and mortals alike, though especially gods. You know that it's forbidden within the underworld. It's kind of like contraband down here, so you're not really supposed to have it. However, you also know that it is such a good gift that almost nobody will be able to refuse it. Furthermore, you know that when you give Nectar to somebody, mechanically it improves your relationship with that person, and they might be inclined to perhaps give you gifts in return or give you advice or offer other kinds of help. However, the only way to advance certain relationships is to have these one-on-one interactions with them. So if you all four of them accost them every time, being like, here's a nectar, give me nice things, they're not going to do that. So you will have to invest in relationships individually if you want to advance them further. That is what you know about nectar. Well... Oh, I don't know about all of you, but I love a nice hot spring, and Rolf is going to disrobe, very carefully fold his clothing, cover his his sensitive areas, and dip into one of the pools. Oh, I was hoping he would be like one of those dudes at Planet Fitness, you know, who just like goes like completely like falls out. But there's a child in the room. Okay, that is a very valid reason. I will go ahead and disrobe and join Rolf in the same fountain that he has dipped himself into, but I will maintain my underpants. Because Arete is a modest boy. Ah, welcome to the party, Arete. Annie's gonna go to the fountain that they're not bathing in That's and a good plan. Um, drink from it. That's good. Oh, man. Alright, I have to go with the boys' fountain and uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> and Alexander will go into the fountain, strip everything, bathe in it, and drink from it. And I would like, I have a water skin, so I'd like to put some water in that water skin. I'm so amused by this because I had not in my mind set it up as like his and hers bath. <laughs> I thought y'all were just gonna drink from the fountain and y'all just like got naked and jumped in, which is awesome. I love that, great. That's very Greek, but not what I was expecting. <laughs> okay, so 
Annie, you drink from the fountain and you get all of the benefits that they get from bathing from it. Also, you all level up. So all of you are level four now. You have four hit dice. Okay. So Rolf goes up to level four combined with the healing of four plus the level up HP and the temporary hit points. He's now sitting at 33 hit points. His intelligence and wisdom have both gone up to 16. So the modifier has become a plus three. And he has gained the spells of Infestation as a cantrip and Cloud of Daggers as a second level spell. Very good. As Arete dips into the fountain, he feels his strength and wisdom score both increase by one, bringing his modifier to plus two for each. And he also feels his health return. And he's sitting at 26 regular, then adding in the temporary brings him to 35. Very nice. Annie goes over to the opposite fountain that the others are bathing in and cups her hands and she drinks a few cupfuls from the fountain and she feels that her constitution has now gone up. She feels a lot better. She feels rejuvenated. She feels refreshed. She feels as if she was at max HP, basically. (laughs) Very nice. Alexander was at 6 HP his max went from 20 to 28, and then I have a plus 9 from temporary hit points from the centaur heart, and his strength has gone up to 18. His charisma has gone up to 18. Excellent. And he was going to do Song of Rest if anyone was still missing HP, but no one is. So she's just going to pull out her veal and just help relax. So, Arete, Alexander, are you too? I was keeping the team alive by any means necessary, but you are not a... Ugly man, I will say. And uh, I would say the ends justify the means, if you know what I mean. (laughs) And he just continues to laugh for an uncomfortably long time. (laughs) Alexander grabs a vase, fills it with water, and dumps it on his head, so hoping that the water gets in his ear so he doesn't have to hear (laughs) a weird laugh. Um, As you do this, your charisma goes up to 18. So as you, like, shake the water off your head, it, like, glistens, like, I don't know, hotly. <laughs> hotly. And Arete kind of just stares, like, his mouth kind of, like, falls open, and he's just, he falls silent, like... I guess he gets a pump lifting the vase, so his strength also comes up. Excellent. And then uh, Arete doggy paddles in the fountain a little bit closer to Alexander. Hey, uh, you know, I, 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 I joke a lot and all in good fun, but I'm sorry if I, uh... I don't know, cross a boundary at any point. You just, you tell me to take a step back and I will, you know? Could you kindly take a step back? (laughs) (laughs) Jeez Louise. Sure thing. Sorry, sorry. And Arete kind of does like an elementary backstroke away and without meaning to, bumps into Rolf. Oh, my. Uh, Sorry, sorry. uh, It's quite all right. uh, Oh, and Arete. Yes? Well done on the field. Thank you. Yes, good job, all of you. I'm so proud of our little Olympiad. And we haven't lost a single soul yet. <laughs> yeah. We're, uh, we're, oh, I'm we're sorry. Did I ruin something here? No, 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 no. no oh, I'm... dear. I'm such a klutz. I'm so sorry. You also notice that Annie is in considerably better spirits and is a lot healthier and happier. Yes, Annie's happier. Annie's, Annie's still just, she's doing her own thing. She's kind of in her own world right now when she's playing. She's kind of just adding like background music for you guys. You don't even notice, but she's she's totally fine just 
playing her tunes. I think Rolf at this point will step out of the water and begin to redress. Thank you. And perhaps just sit and enjoy the music. Yeah, Alexander will step out and start readying up again. Not wanting to be uh, the only one without clothes on, Arete hops out of the, the fountain and goes behind one of the pillars. You hear him like take off his underpants because now they're like soaking wet. His arms poke out from behind the pillar as he just wrings out his underpants, doing his best to get them dry and kind of like beating them against the side of the pillar. Just uh, and then he redresses uh, and then walks over to Anastasia and he goes, "You doing okay there? The music's beautiful." And Annie's just gonna like shake her head and she'll stop playing. And be like, "What? I'm sorry." I said, "Are you doing okay?" Just wanted to. Annie, are you okay? Oh, yeah. No, I'm fine. I was just just playing. Sorry, was I distracting you all? Oh, no, not at all. It was, it was a beautiful music, and I, I, I just, you know, with uh, Alexander being the way he is, I just wanted to, to make sure that you're doing okay. Oh, no, it's totally, I, I don't even, no, no, it's fine. I don't, I just had a, I wasn't feeling very good. I, I was low on, you know. It's everything's okay. Nothing's wrong. We're okay now. Annie, make a perception check. That is a 19. You notice before anybody else a glistening hammer rotating in the middle of the room. Annie will (laughs) stop talking, get up, and she'll go grab it. The hammer itself vanishes, but its power remains with you. Everybody in the party gets this benefit. You can choose to empower attacks. You can choose to empower people's special abilities in some way, or you can apply like a miscellaneous offensive boon. I'm thinking either attack or miscellaneous. Well, I think we all have lots of special things about us, and it might be interesting to see what happens if we become even more special, you know? I think that only helps you. (laughs) We have a vote for special from Rolf. Dang it. I'm voting attack. Okay, we have a vote for attack from Alexander. Oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to vote for miscellaneous. Oh, no! (laughs) So, Annie, as the holder of the hammer, you get to decide exactly what boon everybody gets. (sighs) Annie is no longer okay. (laughs) If you're having a lot of trouble, roll a six-sided die. Yes. So I actually did roll the d6, and it was a two. So technically, that would go for attack, I would say. All right, so you select attack, and here is a benefit that everybody gets. You gain an extra attack when you take the attack action on your turn. Oh, nice. We're all Cletus. Huzzah! My fingers feel more nimble. I suddenly feel like I could possibly pull off several actions at once. Does anyone else share this sentiment? I feel uh, that I could swing my blade around in very deft movements. You make the effort to swing the blade, and like before you even finish like swinging the blade or what your muscle memory understands is swinging the blade, it goes, fup, fup, like it just goes twice, where it would have only been once. All right, so that's what happens. You've still got the gate. You all feel refreshed and ready to go. It's like everything that happened to you didn't even happen. Shall we? Onwards in our march out of hell. Arete puts his hand on the door, I assume, popping the bubble sliding it open, revealing a smoky portal. Well, fine. Yes, that is what happens. <laughs> That's when there's a failed tactician. And I run through the portal. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Annie will jump in the portal. Arete follows. Annie and Rolf are in. Arete is in. Alexander, as always, you are left. Alexander throws his shield on the floor, jumps on and starts surfboarding into the portal. Okay. Oh my gosh. Imagine you do like the Legolas down the stairs thing with the shield, right? Yeah. All right. So you do that. Here is where you arrive. 
Rogue Runners Volume 1 in the Blood stars our players Nicholas Benetados as Alexander the Great, Amanda Facosta as Anastasia Pentasis, Giancarlo Herrera as Rolf Yannick, and Michael Pisani as Arete Lascaris. Dungeon mastering and NPC voices are by me, Tozaman. Cover art by Chandler Candela. Sound design and editing by Giancarlo Herrera. Title music by Sage GC, with vocals by Jessica Dahlgren and Sage GC. Character theme music by Giorgio Volpe. Additional music by Epidemic Sound. If you liked what you heard, we hope you'll consider helping us make future tabletop parodies of your favorite stories. You can support us at Patreon on patreon.com slash roguerunradio. Patrons get access to our community Discord channel, as well as our behind-the-scenes chat cast Out of the Blood, where we talk about everything on our minds after the episode. There are free ways to support the show, too. We hope you'll leave us a glowing review on your listening app of choice, as well as spread the good word about us on Twitter and Instagram, where you can follow us at Rogue Run Radio. We love hearing from you, so hit us up there, or email us at rr at whisperforge.org. We're very proud to be in the Whisperforge Collective, and hope you'll check out our other shows. Are you a fan of the Wild West, bounty hunting, sex with demons, maybe the power of friendship? If any of those things excite you, give Caravan a listen. Are you ready for your next run? Then you can listen to our next episode right now. It's already out. Till next time, sinners, I'll see you in hell. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. The influence of Freemasonry is undeniable, but who are these mysterious apron-wearing craftsmen, and what are they up to? For centuries, hater-ass conspiracy theorists have attempted to answer these questions. Two Flat Earthers Kidnap a Freemason, starring Zane Schacht as Randy Dunning, Lauren Grace Thompson as Gail Kruger, and Matthew Woodcock as Walter Clay. I just want to go on the record right now and say that I, Randy Dunning, am 100% anti-gravity. Like, subscribe, and share your way to the truth when two flat earthers kidnap a Freemason.